And hello, hello. Welcome back to the Gay Racing Podcast. Zach and Alex back with you today, joined by someone who I would like to call a friend of ours. Avery Hage is back on the podcast for the third time. As he let us know, he's tied for his second most Gay Racing Podcast appearances. Avery, welcome back to the Gay Racing Podcast. How are you doing today? I mean, I'm doing fantastic. It's so good to be back. I love this podcast, first of all. I might even just saying that because I'm on here right now. I mean, I've listened to literally every single episode. I can you do. Guys, friends. Uh, it's just fantastic. So, yeah, hopefully uh, third one is just as good as the first two. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. you make it very known that like you, you're always responding to our tweets or about something that me or Alex said on Twitter, X, whatever. Like, it's it's great to like get your feedback because you are someone I really do call a friend and respect at the same time. So like some of my friends, I don't respect okay. like well, someone else on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Avery. Wow. <said>. OK. <laughs> Oh, you're talking about Jackson, right? Right. About Jackson. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> but today on the Gay Racing but, Podcast, yeah, yeah. we we are talking about Imza at Petit Le Mans. They had their season finale, of course. There was drama. Pippo Durrani wrecked. No one surprised. And we're also going to talk about NASCAR at Las Vegas. Kyle Larson has that dog in him. We're going to talk about how he's the best race car driver that we will ever see. Get to get to witness. And packed episode today, got some tea for us, some silly season news, of course. Alex is shaking his head. Alex, how are you doing? I haven't even talked to you yet in this episode. What's up? I'm doing great, Zach. I want to tell our listeners that Zach said, I have an idea for the intro, and they started barking. So I'm guessing <laughs> that was the idea. Is that the idea? Kyle Larson got that dog in him. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, I'm doing great, Zach. I, I know you're moving. I know you're very mm-hmm. busy. But... Thanks for still making time yeah. to join us If today. y'all hear like an echo from me, it's because I'm in a really big room. Not big, but it's a room with nothing in it. So, yeah. Yeah, his room just has like nothing in it. Just like nothing on the walls yet. You don't yeah. even have like a proper like mattress yet. Like you're just. Yeah, I'm just, just kinda, vibing right now. I'm just vibing. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, IMSA was at Petit Le Mans. Yeah, Man, one of my favorite I races. I love this race. It's the Southern 500, I feel like, of, like, IMSA. I was just going to say that. You you mentioned that. It's like the Southern 500 for IMSA. Yeah. And their season there. And track, too. Like, I wish IndyCar went there, honestly. I wish NASCAR went to Road Atlanta. It's like the Gen 6 car. NASCAR has been there, actually. Yeah. They used to test there all the time, right? What's that? Didn't they used to test at Road Atlanta? I think that's where Brad Kozlowski, like, broke his foot that one time in 2011 i believe you're right i yeah. do know that the bush series raced there back in like i didn't even 80s. know that wow yeah they did pretty okay. sure it's one of the oh, yeah. premier road courses in america just from like a racing fanatic perspective like it's just such a cool road course petite le mans is always such a cool event 10 hours at that track going into the dark darkness yeah um, we saw and some the- action and Avery, when we were talking about getting you on this year, you said you wanted to specifically talk about sports cars and IMSA. So here you are. We've been planning this for several months, I mm-hmm. feel like, to finally have you on. This is exciting. Yeah. So, it's, a big, yeah. it's, a big, it's a big deal. Hey, yeah. I, mean, I am in my sports car era right now, okay? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, I, I'm, not, I'm not new to sports car racing. Like, I'm pretty sure the first Rolex race I watched was... I don't know, like early 2010s maybe. Um, and then I'm pretty sure as soon as they announced the like convergence between IMSA and the World Endurance Championship in terms of like the top class, mm-hmm. 
I was just like, okay, I am all in. Like something yeah. about that, I am like reading every article about everything I can even get my hands on. So yeah, it's been fantastic. And what a great time to be a fan too, because holy crap, like, okay, World Endurance Championship can be kind of hit or miss, but IMSA this year, absolute fire, like just straight fire. Like we went into the final race and there was a 20 something point gap between four different manufacturers for the title. Like, come Crazy. on. I mean, yeah, that's fantastic. So yeah, good times. And so let's get into the race here, Petit Lama. Meyer Shane Gracing ended up winning this race and this was like a send off for this team, at least for now. And Elio Castroneves, Tom Blomquist and Colin Braun were the drivers for them. And man, like this just feels it's a bittersweet. Yeah. It's a word that they kept saying on TV because they had that big penalty at Daytona. So they didn't re they won the Rolex, but they kind of got it taken away in a big way. Like a lot of the emotions from it kind of got sucked out of that. For them to come back and then win, I would say IMSA's second biggest race to cap off the year after they said they're going to leave for a bit. They're going to focus on IndyCar. Very, very nice win. I'm really happy that this happened. And Avery, I really wanted to ask you about Meyer Shank Racing. It's like, what is yeah. GTP going to be like without them? Because as long as I've been watching IMSA, they've just kind of been like a cornerstone of the series. Like, they've just always been there. So, like, when I mean, you watch more races than Zach and I do, I'm just like, what do you think this is going to be like without them? So, I mean, the simple answer is there's still going to be two Acuras next year. So, I guess not that much different. I guess it depends on what your perspective is, right? Like, if you're a fan of MSR and you love seeing that car on track, yeah, I mean, it's going to be different for you next year. You're probably going to miss it. But in terms of, like our count and things like that i mean we're getting 11 gtps next year wow. so that's more than it is this year yeah. um so it's really not like it is still sad though right because i want to see them on the grid and it's unfortunate the way things kind of went down but honestly like just following this whole story throughout the year in terms of them manipulating the tire data at the rolex getting penalized for it um I'm not surprised to see them not on the grid. So um, what's the actual like story? Why why are they like is it just a focus on IndyCar or is there something that kinda happened that kinda prompted so them leaving? There is something that happened, although Okay. Is it like rumored? I it's not like rumored, but it's like I'm kind of putting two pieces together. Here's what I know like is a fact. Okay. They cheated at the Rolex. Right. It's absolutely a fact. Not like allegedly like they manipulated tire pressure data. They won the race. Maybe because their car had an advantage. Maybe. And I don't know. All right. I can tell you what they what they did, but uh, I can't tell you if I had an advantage or not. Uh, but the thing is like they obviously really pissed off HPD, which kind of runs the whole like Acura sport car program and yeah, also Honda Honda. Right? performance mm -hmm. development or whatever it's called yeah exactly exactly i feel like they kind of ticked them off so maybe they didn't i don't know that's just you speculating yeah exactly yeah so i don't want to i don't want to get myself in trouble here so yeah i don't know um but it seems like 
the writing was on the wall that they were not going to come back. <laughs> I love how you're saying this. It's, it's killing me. <laughs> Maybe this happened, possibly. But I'm just asking as someone that hasn't been paying attention to IMSA that, you know, past, past the endurance races that much this year, because it seems really weird for a team like that to be, you know, winning big races every year. Um, would have won the championship if not for the big Daytona penalty. So to just leave the sport yeah. like that, but you know, kind of seeing that that would tick off Honda, that that makes sense. Yeah, and plus the thing like when they announced that Wayne Taylor Racing was going to a second car, that was like okay, either there's going to be three Acuras, which awesome, or um, that second Wayne Taylor Racing car is kind of a replacement for the Meyer yeah. Acura. That makes sense. And that's apparently what happened. Well, I will say, the IndyCar program for Meyer Schenk, well, they could use some work. So perhaps this is going to be a good change for them. They could, they could use a little bit. Maybe it was all on their own accord. Who knows? Like, honestly, I really don't know. <laughs> I know I'm saying it like a weird, like, you know, maybe <laughs> this happened. But I really don't, right? I mean, who's to say? Their own who's Honda Accord, huh? Uh, funny. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> And with their IndyCar program, they definitely do need more attention and they help there, I think. And they're, like, they're going to have Tom Blomquist, who's going to be a rookie, and then they're going to have Felix Rosenquist, who is kind of a veteran now, but I wouldn't say is, like, a leader by any means. So they're going to need that additional help. So I am curious to see how that goes. But I'm going to miss them in IMSA. It's just, like, they're always, like, a perennial favorite over there. The pink car. The Rolex. No more know, pink cars. It, I'm crying right now. Oh, my gosh so sad but they ended up winning the race and by the way elio castro neves has won like every big race on the planet i know he's won this before but it's just like he's always winning that's gonna be kyle larson in 20 years so true and uh tom blomquist i know he was gonna leave imsa anyway but like i wonder if he's gonna pop into like a rolex 24 still like there's a lot of things i'm just so curious about elio as well yeah, and Colin honestly, Braun, I hope he gets picked up another team. So Colin is probably, and this is like me speculating again, but mm-hmm. I, this isn't like just a, you know, shot in the dark basically. I think he might go to the LMP2 class in IMSA and drive <laughs> CrowdStrike car with George Kurtz. Uh, he has driven okay. with him before a lot, and that's had. Quite a decent amount of success, especially in like GT World Challenge America this year. So, and he's fast, obviously, in LMP2, and well, really, any car he's fast in. So, that's probably where he's going to go. My, my best yeah. guess. My question is do they know who's going to fill the seats for the second Wayne Taylor car? Because, I mean, I know Elio's driven for them before. That. Yeah, I, actually, they do. Um, the full time guys are going to be Louis Delatraz and mm. Jordan Taylor. By oh. the way, you don't know. Oh, he's going back. Oh, right. he's going back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he is. I haven't been paying attention, literally. Oh, my gosh. So, um, obviously, you know who Jordan Taylor is. Right. And now I think. You probably should know who Louis Delatraz is. Yes, I know who he is. But if you don't know, well, I mean, I know you have heard of him, but just like to give you a kind of perspective on how good this guy has been in prototypes, um, specifically LMP2, which is different than GTP, obviously, but, you know, close enough-ish. So he's like 2021 European Le Mans Series LMP2 champion, 2022 European Le Mans Series LMP2 champion. Uh, points leaders for the FIA, WEC, and LP2. 
Ronnie Ruffin, Lamont 24, we do. It's like absolutely insane, this guy. Um, so oh. yeah, that, that driver lineup is going to rock for sure. It's like championship winning possibly. I mean, why hmm. not? That's exciting. And I'm going to talk about something a little controversial too with uh, Philippe Albuquerque and Pippo Durrani. This was like moment of the race. Uh, Zach, in the entry, you said Pippo Durrani crashed someone. Yeah. At, bro, didn't he do this last year or was that someone else? It was the same cars. It was the same was cars. Was the same drivers too? I don't remember if it was the same drivers, but like it was the same cars. I don't think it was the same drivers though. Yeah. It may have been the yeah, same. Yeah, I don't know. But it might have been Felipe Nazar. Wait, no, I know, because last year, I think it was Albuquerque who was driving the 10 car, but he crashed because he ran into a lapped car. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. But same driver, though, you know, at least yeah, for the 10 but Four Wayne Taylor racing just can't catch a break in this race. Like, it, it, just something happens every year. I'm but pretty sure they this... finished second in the championship like every year since like 2020. It's insane. And this year, by the way, they didn't even win a race. They were they were just so consistent throughout the year that yeah, they were you. still like off the championship. Three podiums? And now, it's crazy. But I want to talk about this incident because basically, Barani to me just basically doored him, Albuquerque, and then sent Albuquerque straight on head on into a barrier. And Albuquerque had to go to a local hospital, got further evaluation. He's since been released, but this, I thought for sure Emsa was going to give Durrani a penalty, but they didn't. There was no, there was no action. And my assumption is that they didn't want to factor in the championship because the championship was so close. It was changing throughout the entire race. I feel like all the contenders were leading it at one point in points, points as they run. But uh, I just did not like this move from Pippo Durrani at all. Like, even if this was, like, NASCAR, I feel like this would I be, think like, it was really close. that's too far. I just think it was really, like, he left him just a little bit more room. He would have left him, and I think they would have been okay. He just went a little bit over the line, Pippo Durrani did, I think. And just, get, like, uh, Albuquerque's tires got on the grass, and he just lost control of his car. Like, it was that close. It was, like, to me, it's a racing incident. Like, when we remember that these guys are racing in darkness, lights are everywhere, it's kind of Fair. expected. But also, they are professionals. Like, they know exactly where they're putting their cars, so. But when you, when you look back, and this is what basically secure the championship for yeah. the 31 i feel like that is a bit not ideal yeah but avery right. what do you think alex you hit it right on the head honestly i was thinking about this too because like it's just in terms of race control not wanting to like play a significant role in determining the outcome of a championship i feel like I don't know. I guess you could make an argument that it was a racing incident, but I feel like if there's any gray area at all, they are probably going to lean towards it being a racing incident. Um, and a similar thing happened, honestly, although it probably wouldn't have changed the outcome at all, but um, an IndyCar at uh, Portland when they didn't... Yeah, exactly. yeah, we're on the same wavelength there. So, I was thinking the same thing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and that honestly was a look like a block them but okay whatever uh and they didn't call it because it was like close enough to a gray area where they're like ah racing incident so i mean okay like whether they penalized him or not i just don't like the move i'm sorry like i just think it's a little bit 
little bit dirty. I mean, it sent uh, someone to the hospital, so it's hard to like to move. I don't really like the move either. Like, it would have been cooler if, you know, he, yeah, you can door the guy, but you send him off the track, you know, like. Well, I, I get why he wasn't penalized, but like, if I were Chris Goodall, I'd be like, yeah, sorry, like, this is not, I don't know, maybe I'm the, a bit strict. The other thing I didn't really like was in Pippo Durrani's interview after the race, he didn't acknowledge Albuquerque, and then he just said, I want to thank God and Jesus. And it's just like, come on, let's be serious for a second. Like, that, come on. I did not like that. I didn't think that was a good look for him either. It's just... That's, that's what's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I kind of lost nasty. a lot of respect for Pippo Durrani. I wasn't a fan of that. I hope Albuquerque's like doing all right. He got released, as I said, but... uh. Not a good hit. Like when you head on, that, those are the worst it was kind of nasty. hits. I've said that before. Yeah. But as I said, uh, the 31 Cadillac of Action Express, they did win the GTP title. Uh, Pippo Durrani, Alexander Sims, and Jack Aitken drive that car. Avery, you have a stat you'd like to share about all of the GTP drivers this year. I certainly do. So, just first of all, there is a uh, website. Yeah, I guess it's a website. It's more like a company, really. Is it IMSA.com? It's certainly it not IMSA.com. It's way better. Jesus. It's way better. It's way better. Okay. Or it's so, X.com slash Avery Hage. This, this, <laughs> is, this is... Actually, it's fantastic. It's free, by the way, too. So, like, big shout out to these guys. So, there's a company called The B-Pillar. It's thebpillar.com. Oh, that's and cool. And what you do is you can um, sign up for, like, their, like, newsletter, if you will. And you can pick which uh, sports car series you want. Of course, for me, it's like all of them. For you guys, it could just be just IMSA. And they will send you um, like the lap time averages for every class, every driver after the race. And it takes about anywhere from maybe like six to 24 hours to get the data in. Um, but I use that, like in those averages, to basically create a stat that is. Um, it's called per speed percentile, which is basically the average percent that a driver, or the average percentage of a, oh my gosh, how do I say this? The, um, dude, fuck. <laughs> I edited it about whatever. But, like um, the speed compared to the other drivers? That's how yeah, you explained exactly. it to me earlier. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the average percent of opponents that a driver is faster than. So. Yeah, that's percentile. Exactly, yeah, it is. Yeah. And so the reason why we do it as a percentage and not as like an average or whatever is because uh, there is a difference in the number of entries that are in each race, the number of drivers. So doing it by an average may not, you know, translate very well. So that's why we use percentages. Anyway, let's talk about who's fast. Uh, full-time drivers, number one. Okay, who do you think is the fastest driver? Just full-time. Uh... Yes. I don't know. I don't watch him enough. Like, Ooh. maybe... Well, who won the championship? So, <laughs> let me pick one of these guys, right? Um, they're not NASCAR where it's not the fastest guy all year. So, I'm going to say it's giving Alexander Sims. Okay. So, it's... I mean, no. Good guess, though. I, mean, okay. hey, I don't know. I, 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 I watch him, so that's fine. Like, hey, don't worry about it. I was going to guess Delatraz. Is it Delatraz? So, in terms of, like... If you're including the full-time guys and also the guys who are only in the IMSA rounds, number one is Shock Aitken. Damn uh, it. On average, okay. 75%. I should have said he's him. Yeah, I mean, he's slayed. Also, 
Uh, That's why that 31 car won the championship. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. Like, honestly, the reason why they won it, and not take anything away from them, like, they did fantastic. But the Meyer Shed team, like, if they weren't penalized, they would have won it, like, Uh for sure. So, you know, to answer my own question here, basically, um, Sebastian Bourdais was the fastest full-time Oh, I saw this one. Yeah, I saw this on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I did post on Twitter. You saw it, but you didn't know? I did, I thought it was a different stat, Alex. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Anyway, continue, Avery. But no, I mean like, in terms of like a full like lineup, in terms of like who just the best overall lineup, probably number ten Acura. I mean, they're what third, fourth, and like seventh overall. So that's fantastic. Another thing too that's really interesting is that Colin. Brown is better than Tom Blomquist. Although, even though really? the stats say that, I'm like, I here's the thing. I just think that Colin's actually really good. Tom's good too, by the way. But Colin, really fast. I really hope he gets a good run. They probably because... manipulated those stats like they manipulated that tire data. Hey, maybe they did. You know, <laughs> manipulating the lap times. Uh, and then also, um, you know, in terms of the other manufacturers. Best Porsche driver, Matt Campbell, uh, BMW driver, technically Sheldon Vanderland, but full-time guys, Cotter DiFilippi. Uh, yeah, worst lineup, definitely going to be Philip Eng and Augusto Farfus uh, for BMW. Uh, mm. But other than that, uh, and of course, I think the most like lopsided lineup would be Bourdais and Renker van der Zanda. Uh, Bourdais was faster in seven of the races they competed in compared to one for Renger. So not really the greatest, not really the greatest season for Mr. Van der Sanda. Hopefully he bounces back next year. So I have two comments. One, we were talking about Matt Campbell. I didn't know who he was until like yesterday. Like I've heard of him, but like I didn't know who he was yesterday because he was driving with a certain someone yesterday. We'll talk about that in a second. But uh, Matt Campbell, whenever he was in that Rapinski 7, was just flying like he took the lead at a point it's so impressive and for you to for you to say that he's like the best in that team like he's paired with Philippe Nazar like more people probably know who that is like that stands out to me and the other thing regarding uh Ganassi uh Alex Lynn was over there last year would you say switching from Lynn over because they switched swatched out him with Bordet right or something like that oh did that wait it was earl bamber and alex lynn those were and now that team is over in wec this year okay right okay, maybe yeah. that's what i'm thinking of but alex lynn was at ganassi and he was like really good whenever he was yeah. in it was that yeah he was lynn was really good when he was in with ganassi i'm asking like was this current lineup better or worse than last year's that they had so I mean, the numbers that I looked at, honestly, Earl Bamber was a lot faster than Alex Lynn, to be completely honest with you. And Bamber made like, a lot of mistakes. Lynn is doing too. a lot. I mean, that's totally fair. Like, honestly, same goes for Matt Campbell. Like, he's really fast, but also a little bit mistake prone. Mm-hmm. So, Earl's the same way. Uh, and by the way, I run this stat, too, for WEC. Um, and Bamber and Lynn are, you know, in a Cadillac there. And Bamber is faster, but it's it's neck and neck. So... I mean, Lynn's a great driver, don't get me wrong. Like, even though, like, hopefully it doesn't feel like I'm saying he's, like, bad or anything like that. He's not. He's great. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, Vamper was faster than, than him for sure. Interesting. Um, anything else you want to share on that stat? Like, that is so interesting, like seeing how fast who is slower and everything like that. It really is. It's honestly my, one of my favorites. Um, and it really helps you kind of determine who is absolutely carrying a car and who maybe needs to step it up a little bit. So, yeah. yeah. So follow Avery on IMSA.com, or I mean Avery Hage on Twitter, X. It's free to get all those cool stats like that, because Zach and I rely on Avery for like anything for real. Emzo's website is so sad. It, I tried to like give Alex a tutorial on like how to get to stuff, and I'm like, it's so he did. Easy. And he then did. I'm like, oh wait, no, because you have to press like this other button first, and then like go here. As like, oh my god, it's just terrible. Like, I, have, I like, know how to navigate Avery... like, at this, but Avery sent me like a five step process of how to use IMSA's website and find stuff. It was the funniest message. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so funny. You can host a class um, on that. Yeah, oh, yeah Avery, yeah. You, you need IMSA.com 101. I, I'd take that class because I'm confused whenever I go on there. And then let's talk about Team Penske, Penske Porsche Motorsport. They had two different kind of days. Let's start with the six, the bad day. They were in this very big crash, a little before halfway, I believe. And this is a violent crash. Like, so, like there are like four cars involved here, and uh, Nick Tandy was involved. He was a driver for at the time for the Penske, and he was furious. And I found this very interesting because IMSA they have a similar rule to what NASCAR has right now, where that if like your like if you can't get your car back going you're like taken back to the garage you can't drive it back so they lost a ton of time and it reminded me of when Joey Logano had that incident a few months back and was just furious for something similar we've seen this several times in the cup series this year and uh felt bad for Nick Tandy because like the Penske guys they looked pretty fast they were in the championship hunt but what do you think of that Avery and Zach if you saw it you can chime in too I didn't I mean, I saw it, honestly, like, I guess I need to know more about, like, the rulings, things like that. I can understand his frustration, though, uh, for sure. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, definitely something I didn't look into for sure. Because, I mean, I saw it and I was just like, yep, that's something that happens. And I can just see why he's upset. Uh, I don't know why they have those rules or if they shouldn't or things like that. So um, I'll look into that for sure. And see uh what i can learn so yeah but yeah i just found that interesting but then on the other side of the penske porsche motorsport joseph newgarden made his gtp debut the indianapolis 500 champion in case zach forgot he's not washed and joseph led some laps they might have been under yellow but he he did lead some laps <laughs> And it was a lot of fun for me. I was, a, I, I was having a great time. But he was in the Penske Porsche 7 uh, with Matt Campbell and Philippe Nazar, as we mentioned. Uh, he made his debut in GTP, as did F1 champ Jensen Button for JDC Miller in Porsche as well. So, Avery, I wanted to ask you, how did these two legendary drivers do in their GTP debut? So, if we're just basing it off of lap time averages, which... Can of course be skewed by track conditions, you know, traffic, things like that. So take them with a grain of salt, but that's all we have to go off of right now. One of them did fantastic relative to their teammates. 
The other one did okay, but not great. Hmm. Where have okay. I heard this before? So let's get with the first. Let's get to the first one. This is the person who just did okay, um, decent. That is Mr. Dewgarden. So, hmm. in terms of the fastest lap they ran, Campbell one eleven eight two, Philip Nazar one twelve dead, Joseph Newgarden one twelve zero zero nine. So tenth and a half off the fastest. It should be right. Averages. That's not bad. Campbell the fastest. Nazar about three tenths off. Newgarden about tenth off from that. So around not bad. 0.387 off. We'll take it. Of Campbell. It's not that bad, right? Matt, Cam- time, Matt Campbell just got that dog in him. He, he really just does, like straight up. True, off. very true. Uh, who also has that dog in him is Jensen Button, because uh, he was about half a tenth faster than his teammates, which, by the way, I mean, Mike Rockefeller is pretty good. So he's pretty solid. Uh, their other guy, Timon Vanderhelm, is, uh, I mean, not quite as good. Um, so just keep in mind that, like, New Orleans is going against stiffer competition here. But, uh, yeah, Jensen about half a second faster than both Rockenfeller and uh, Vanderhelm there, so, on average. So, yeah, I mean, that guy's fast, for sure. He's still got it. Um, like I said, one of them did okay uh, for a first-timer. The other one absolutely slayed. So, yeah. I loved seeing Joseph in GCP. And then Jensen, they did an interview with him. At one point, he was like, me and Joseph were racing really hard at one point. Like, I love that. Like, that's just, it's just so cool. You have an IndyCar champ. You have an F1 champ. That's why I've always called IMSA the crossover series, like the Super Smash Brothers of racing. It's, it, it's so cool. Dude, it totally is. And another thing I have to point out to you. So, Alex, your sports car racing boyfriend, Michael Jensen. Yeah? Okay. Michael Jensen. Yeah. So, he was the fastest guy in LMP2 at Petite. Look and at my man go. Not, not even, not even surprising at all because that guy's wicked fast. You know who's also really fast in LMP2 and IMSA. So, as an IndyCar fan, you probably know who Ben Hanley is, right? Like he's made some 8500 yeah. starts. Yeah, that guy is rock solid, like really, really? fast. Okay. So apparently, he found his calling of being an LMP2 driver in IMSA. So, yeah, I just wanted to show that's bizarre. Two guys. <laughs> but I don't know what Devlin DeFrancesco ran. I know he was in the race. I don't know what he drove. I was thought you were gonna say him, and I was like, "What?" Was he in the race? Oh, by the way, oh wait. Also, your man Scott McLaughlin, he also was in the race in LMP2. In yeah, yeah they cra- um, his car crashed on the pace laps. I I remember. So okay, first of all, okay, I understand the car was damaged, but like it looked like it was mm-hmm. repaired enough, right? Their mm-hmm. bronze driver, boy, his fastest lap, straight up slower than four LMP3 drivers. Ooh, I'm like that's dog. Good. Dog. I'm like buddy. Dog. Step it up. Uh, in terms of the fast guys, Kiffin, Simpson, and Scott, uh, I believe Kiffin was faster than Scott, which is not surprising because Kiffin is an absolute dog in LMP2. Like, I know is he go? He's going to Ganassi in IndyCar next year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, like, okay, fair enough, I guess, but. He's a little bit young, and... He's only 18. Yeah, I... You like sports car racing for him is better for now? I'm just saying, like, I, I know I'm a sports car fanatic here. Like, I get it. But just, he's really fast, so... He's saying. Right. Right. 
Uh, anything else you want to talk about with IMSA before we move on to NASCAR? Either of you? I think we've covered everything. I think so too. Yeah, Zach, I'm, what I'm do, do you have anything go. else? I don't because right. I, I missed a lot of the race. So, but I did yeah. really enjoy what I saw at the end. It was really intense. I got to see that incident between yeah. the 31 and the 10. Then the end of the race. It's unfortunate the race kind of ended under yellow, didn't it? But you know, it happens. We've talked about it all it the time. It, it, it happens. I'm not asking for a green white checkered. I'm going to be mad about it, but yeah. I'm not going to suggest any alternatives here. Right. Well, let's move into NASCAR Las Vegas. This was a fun race, I thought. Like, it, it was. It wasn't like, mind-blowing, but it was decent. It was a good race. Uh, Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. Man of the week, Kyle Larson. You know what? Should we give him Boyfriend of the Week, Zach? Uh, boyfriend of the Week, Slay of the Week. He's got that dog in him. He has my Kyle Larson fandom is like fully back in swing because I forgot how much of a, as Avery would say, much of a dog he is because he, what a week for him goes and tests the Indy car at Indianapolis on Thursday, walks into Vegas two days later, um, sets it, you know, I think he qualified second and then wins, dominates, sweeps the stages, wins the race championship for he didn't mention he also he also won the high oh, limit sprint car medal yeah this, that same week so all that in one week that's Slay incredible week. kyle larson is here he's back he's he has a hundred percent win rate when he's in the championship four so it's looking pretty good <laughs> and he ended up nearly spinning out at one point yeah. in this race and like it was a big he was moment sideways yeah, his right rear touched the wall and it kind of saved him and his he had to have good car control as well and he advanced to the championship four and christopher bell was pretty close as well there but before we talk about bell zach you made a fun point that i wanted to highlight uh, about how kyle larson's career in nascar at least kind of mirrors yeah. another driver you want to talk about like that? It, it reminds me a lot of joseph newgarden and joseph newgarden's early career in indycar driving for sarah fisher ed carpenter joseph still you know he was able to get wins um before he went to penske but then when he finally got to penske he literally wins the championship in his first year with penske it reminds me very much of what's kind of going on with kyle larson where you know larson started with ganassi won races but didn't really you know compete for a championship until he got to hendrick and then immediately once he got to hendrick pops off a 10-win season wins the championship and if you look right. you know follow the exact timeline joseph had a bit of an off year in 2018 larson had a bit of an off year in 2022 the year after their second year at the teams the third year at the teams of course joseph won the championship 2019 larson here makes the championship for looking at maybe the favorite right now because hamlin you know he had a bit of an off day yesterday right byron wasn't byron was not the fastest intracar yesterday so larson's now the new favorite if you can call him that and he's gonna have the yeah. advantage of taking these next two weeks you know the team can prepare for phoenix extra you know extra so yeah I mean, I, I just see well, a lot of similarities with those two. Yeah, um, well, let's talk about it. Like, Avery, you have all the stats. Who is the championship favorite right now? If you can because even call I've one. been thinking, I was thinking it'd be Denny Hamlin for quite a while, but he's kind of not as relevant right now, and I'm sure he doesn't like that. Then you kind of look at Larson. I mean, I, he probably should have won Texas if things go a little differently. There's, 
I don't know. I, you could probably say William Byron with the number of wins he's got, or is it someone else? What do you think, Avery? Yeah, so let's just consider the fact that if Kyle Larson doesn't crash at Texas, he's winning the opening race of every round. So, hmm. um, yeah, because he won Darlington. Yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't think about that. And then he should have won Texas, and then he wins Las Vegas. Um, and they give the five-team a couple weeks to prepare for Phoenix. Um, yeah, good luck, Field. Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just like, okay. Obviously, anything can happen to Phoenix, right? So it doesn't really matter how much you can prepare. Like, listen, it, it, plus, Kyle Larson, even though he did win first race of the round of eight in 2021, let's not lose sight of the fact that I'm, unless I'm remembering something wrong here, wasn't Truex going to win at Phoenix until, like, a caution came out yes. and then Larson yes. got the lead? Yeah. Not to take anything away from him because he had a fantastic season, but... You know, I'm just saying, like, the same thing could happen again at Phoenix where that caution doesn't come out and he doesn't win. So, um, but True. they will probably be the most prepared. Um, so, to me, they're the favorite. Um, although, yeah, it's between him and Hamlin, honestly. Hmm. Would, That's my opinion. Now, I'm curious about Byron, because Zach and I have debated this a lot, and then we'll kind of hop into the race. Uh, Byron, he's not locked in, of course. No one but Larson's locked in, so Byron not even might not even make it in. But Byron, Zach and I have kind of debated back and forth. It's like, is Byron actually a contender? And I was like, not really, because I think he's just only there when he has the best car. Like yesterday, for example, he just kind of stayed where he was the whole day. He just kind of wasn't able to improve, didn't really get worse. While Larson yeah. kind of dominated the race. I mean, it I don't know. It's just very interesting. What do you think on those two? So, okay. I have heard from uh, people who uh, do a bunch of like analytic stuff for NASCAR uh, tell me that William Byron is not the greatest when it comes to passing other cars. So I do feel like he probably relies a lot on his pit crew giving him track position um, and having a really fast car. So, I mean, here's the thing. Like, I'm pretty sure, I don't have the numbers on me right now, but I'm pretty sure he has the best average finish in the playoff. Uh, I think, yeah, I think he does actually. So, I mean, they've been really solid as far as executing, but uh, Larson has led way more laps. Um, I think he's ranked, in terms of just like the tracks that are the non-drafting ovals in the playoffs, Larson has been the fastest car in terms of green flag speed in like three of the five races so far uh so yeah he's been wicked fast and byron has not been quite as good so if i had to rank like who's yeah. better probably larson for sure uh, and byron's just you know i don't want to say getting lucky but just you know finishing maybe higher than i don't know we should i guess or whatever you know just there's there's yeah. executing basically is what i'm trying to say i agree and now I want to move into the race. Christopher Bell, as we mentioned, got pretty close to getting the win. Those last few laps were pretty exciting, I thought. Yeah. He was really making up time. And Larson said that with this car, that when you have the clean air, your car gets more loose, which I found really interesting. And I feel like that's a good feature. Cause it's like because it's like able to it's use like when you're out front. It's able to like when you have clean air, you're able to like 
abuse the tires more because I guess your car has more downforce, mm-hmm. so it's pushing on the cars or the tires more. So like that makes sense to me. Yeah. I've just never heard but of that before. I haven't heard anyone say that before either. Yeah. And Christopher Bell, like, man, if he doesn't advance, that's really going to suck for him looking back on everything. But great effort for him. I mean, look at the the field here. I would have thought Reddick would have been in that position before Bell. I would have thought Hamlin, obviously. Byron, maybe. But I really think Bell is a dark horse in a way like just kind of like last year he made it to championship four in a different way he had to win his way through each round but bell is kind of a sneaky quiet dark horse i feel for a lot of like brackets out there so it's something to watch for sure what do you guys think i think it's really impressive that bell finally kind of showed up if you ask me because he's yeah you know he's started on the pole qualified really well so many races right but we haven't really seen him compete for a win at the end of the race. I feel like I don't even know when the last time he did. Like, it's been so long. And to see him finally actually kind of have a obviously a really close chance at winning Las Vegas, that's giving me a lot of confidence in that team, especially seeing, mm-hmm. you know, guys like Denny Hamlin kind of having an off day. Truex still wasn't really 100% back, apparently, or the 19 team isn't. Um, the 24 team had a bit of a, you know, slower than usual day. I mean, the 20 team, they're picking up the pieces and they took it to the five team today or uh, at Las Vegas. So yeah. they are looking really good. I've been waiting for them to kind of show, you know, the speed that they have in qualifying. Um, yeah. I mean, hey, third most points on the playoffs in terms of non-drafting ovals, third most laps led. Uh, 20 cars awesome honestly. Uh, so yeah, they've really been kicking in gear. So I wouldn't be surprised at all um, if they were the, well, I guess the second JGR representative because Hamlin is probably a shoe in Although, no, I shouldn't say that at all. They definitely could be out. Uh, but to me, it's Larson, obviously, because he's already in. Hamlin, uh, Byron still, and then I could see Bell or Reddick, you know, if he went to Homestead. Uh, but right. yeah, I mean, they've been solid. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And Zach, you said Bell finally showed up. Someone else finally showed up in the playoffs. And it was Martin Truex Jr. Where's he been? First top 10 He was 10 like finish. running in the top five for a bit. Yeah. First top 10 finish since Watkins Glen. But it didn't come without error. Well, because there was that incident at the end of stage, after stage one. Where they stayed out on older tires. We're on like nine left old tires. Well, this is the thing that I was that talking about. It's like that whole 19 team, uh-huh. James Small included, they haven't been performing at an optimal level for months. So it doesn't really surprise me that he's going to make a strategic mistake like that. Right? And even though, I mean, it's a really, it's not that, I mean, Steve Latart was saying on the broadcast, it's not that crazy of a decision to stay out on nine lap old tires to get track position, but it was risky. At the same mm-hmm. time, he didn't need to do that when he already had track position. Like he he just there was more to lose for that 19 team in the game, and I just don't understand yeah. the decision behind that. So you think that James Small probably just overthought it? Probably. Basically. I mean, he hasn't been making calls to try to win the race since Michigan, right in August. He hasn't made a call like that with that kind of pressure. 
right? Within two months. I mean, that's momentum is a thing. And that's why, like, they were even talking, like, on the teardown a little bit about how Cliff Daniels is saying that this five team is still going to be at 110% these next two weeks because we can't Mm -hmm. let ourselves come down from this level. We have to keep performing at this level so that we go into Phoenix all warmed up. Like, it kind of makes sense why. Now, at least this 19 team, I think there is hope for them at Homestead because Turex is really good there. I think they should, they have a little bit of confidence from Las Vegas, I think, to kind of go to Homestead, perform well. So, while yesterday maybe wasn't ideal for Truex, I think it's a, certainly a lot better than finishing 17th. Like they, they needed this, and you and I have talked about it. Like we'd be fine if he made it to the championship four just because of his regular season performance. And like they they showed at least glimmers that they still have it in them. And Avery, I wanted to ask you, because Truex's decline kind of felt sudden to me. Like when the playoffs hit, he just kind of like disappeared. And I was kind of wondering if you have like stats that show like, was this kind of like a gradual decline? Like, of course, they're a little better again after Vegas. But was this decline that he had? Like, was there a decline leading into the playoffs? Or did they just, like, fall off the face of the earth when you hit Darlington? Unless it was, like, right towards the end of the regular season, it looks really sudden. So it was what I did. Real quick, hmm. I just went in and said, all right, give me first seven races of the playoffs and then the seven races before the playoffs started. And let's compare and contrast. And before the playoffs started, it was like, you know, fast average finish, fast average player position, fast driver rating. It was like fast, 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 like absolutely just crushing it. And then they win the regular season championship and they're just like, all right, and that's it. Goodbye. We're done here. Back in the voice. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it, the reason why it feels sudden is because it was. Honestly, like, here's the thing I've learned with like stats throughout the years. A lot of times, you don't even need to look at stats to, like, confirm what your own eyes are telling you, okay? It's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, it's... Why does it feel sudden? Because it is actually... At least in terms of the raw numbers are telling me. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know why it's all of a sudden a problem with them. Um, they did show some speed, uh, for sure, uh, at Vegas. Who knows how good they would have been at Kansas? Um, so I mean, there are there is that kind of stuff as well that you have, you have to factor in. But yeah, raw numbers suggest uh, yeah, it's just kind of sudden. Now, next thing here we have a uh, Chris Busher. I want to talk about. Where was he? It seems like Churix came back and then Chris Busher just kind of took a week's vacation while his teammate Brad Keselowski was all good to go and was running top five most of the day. I don't exactly know what happened there. But uh, what do you think what happened there with Busher and RFK like as a whole? Like they seem like they still got it. Like Brad was still there, but Busher just the only driver with no playoff points. Yeah, and that's definitely going to hurt him in the round of eight for sure when you kind of need those as like a buffer. Um, I don't know why exactly the 17 was so far behind the six because that's usually a really evenly matched team. Like if one's fast, the other's fast. Uh, And so I have heard though, I don't have any numbers to back this up because I didn't look at this beforehand, but I've heard that the 17 team, for whatever reason, 
really struggles a mile and a half. Um, and I know this is not a mile and a half, but like they did win Michigan, and that's a speedway, so I don't know. Right. I mean, who knows, right? So that's the only thing I can think of is for some reason they struggle with it, and maybe this, the six was try something different, and you know, it worked out for them, it didn't for the 17. Like, I mean, who knows? But yeah, I, I was really confused about that too. Yeah. Well, and Avery, I don't know if you've been on social media, but uh, there is some breaking news regarding yeah. the other driver we haven't talked about yet. Uh, Ryan Blaney was disqualified after the race, but apparently that penalty has been rescinded. Like as of like Whoa. 30 minutes ago, like when we were talking about Emza, I like looked, I glanced at Twitter and saw it. So yeah, they rescinded the penalty. Apparently um, NASCAR's officials claim that there's a problem with the template they were using to... I guess check the shocks or whatever. I'm I'm gay. I don't know, but um, and like I saw someone else on Twitter say, well, if you use that template for other cars, then why didn't they also fail? I mean, I I don't know, but yeah. it makes sense enough to me. And you know, it's it's a big deal, and it's also not a big deal for Blaney because it brings him from 56 to 17 points. Um, huge. Well, I mean, that is huge. At the same time, I mean, what Blaney had a really good day yesterday, and he's still below the cut line. Like, it's just, it, he's one of those guys that doesn't have a lot of playoff points. It's going to take him so much. Um, it's going to take him so much effort. It's probably going to still take a win, anyways. That's why I say it doesn't really mm -hmm. change that much. But hey, if he has like a second place run, gets like a hell of a lot of stage points at Homestead, maybe this will make a huge difference. So. Um, good for the 12 yeah. team and it, I mean you know no one wants to see anyone get DQ'd anyway so I guess this is a positive for everyone makes it closer so yeah yeah like this definitely closes it up that it's now puts Busher in last minus 23 rather than Blaney minus 56 like this is this changes a lot of things it really does so if Blaney does like you said Zach get a bunch of stage points he's gonna need them if he ain't gonna get a win um that's huge because now if he like gets wins both stages, for example, then he's plus three as they run, not factoring in how other drivers would go. So I mean, huge news here. I'm surprised. I didn't expect that. Obviously, no one did, but yeah, it's big for Blaney. Um, so let's look into the points then as we're kind of shifting into that. Larson's in the championship four. William Byron is plus nine. Martin Truex Jr. plus two. He's kind of just been hanging right at the cut line since we started. Still there. Uh, Denny Hamlin only plus two. Not in a happy situation. Then below the cut line, you have Bell minus two. Reddick minus 16. Busher minus 23. And then, as we said, Ryan Blaney is now minus 17. I, this playoff, I think with Blaney, that does open things back up. I think you could see any of these remaining seven still get in there but that blaney might have been like eliminated busher i think is teetering on that but chris busher could still get a win the thing is like i making i don't want to count him out making up points against these guys when you know these are the best guys in the series making up points against denny hamlin byron and even you know christopher they're Bell, all gonna get stage points they are up there getting so many points it is so hard to gain on these guys and that's why i kind of love it because it's i think yesterday showed just how elite these guys are i mean they're all running really good no mistakes and you know four are gonna have to be cut so i hope they yeah. keep up and this performance at homestead like all eight of these guys follow follow up what you're saying zach like chris busher's kind of been seen as like the underdog in this playoff but that really showed yesterday no stage points he's the only driver that didn't 
And it's just like all the big guys just bested them just by being better in during the race. But Zach, I'm going to pass it over to Avery. I meant to say Avery, but uh, Avery, I pass it over to you. Uh, your homestead pick. Zach and I make our picks later at the end of the episode. But Avery, you're not going to steal one from us. I think we've done that with you before. We got rid of that rule. Uh, but who is your pick for Homestead? Who should our listeners be watching this weekend? Oh, uh, gosh. I know they're probably more focused on Phoenix, but I mean, how do you bet against Kyle Larson? Cliff Daniels said they're uh, still going hard for Homestead and yeah, Phoenix. I mean, Martinsville. here's the thing. If you win, that takes... Well, it doesn't because well, it's going anyway, to so. let <laughs> it's going to let like, for example, instead of letting Denny Hamlin win next week and have a week to prepare for Phoenix an extra week, you win. And yep. then they can't do that. Yep, exactly. So you yeah, are so. you're taking away a week of prep. Essentially. I think he's, he's solid. Um, if they finally decide to really, really, really show up Truex, uh, he was great there last year. Um, I don't think he would have won, but. It at least finished like second, I think, um, to Larson last year. And maybe if Larson decides to take the week off for whatever reason, uh, maybe Truex wins. So, but yeah, I know mm-hmm. to me it's it's Larson. So locking it in. Yeah, good pick, good pick. And is there before we get to our guest question because you have not asked answer that yet? Um, is there anything else you'd like to say or point out before we get to that? Not that I can think of. All right. Well, our guest question, we're starting to have our reoccurring characters answer this. We'll have to get Brooke Curran on to have her answer this at some point. But um, Avery, you can drive a lap in any car at any track. What would you pick? Okay. So just for starters, this is assuming that I have the necessary skills to drive these cars. Like, I don't drive like okay. a manual, but like, I, in this scenario, I, like, I can't. Okay, cool. Okay, so <laughs> my answer is going to be different than Matt Weaver's, but I listened to the last time he was on, and he was like, this is so impossible to answer because all race cars are awesome. And I was like, Matt, that's, yes, I agree so much. Um, this is, oh my God, this is so hard. Here's the thing. Ask me this question tomorrow, and I will have a different answer. That's like how I just can't even say it. But I will give you an answer. Um, why don't we do? <laughs> this is so hard. Okay. You sound like you sound like a white mom ordering like fast food. Why don't I get? Um... Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take. Uh... <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. A lady at Subway so, literally did that the, yesterday, you know the other day. You know what? You know what? Why do I do this? Yep. Do because I'm in my sports car era. You know this. Yeah, I've said I, it. Yes. I've been saying it. Why don't we do this? Um, why don't we take an Audi R8 uh, uh, at Circuit de la Sarthe. Why not? That's Her, the uh, Le Mans where? circuit, right? Circuit, exactly, yeah. The Circuit de la Sarthe. Okay. That's where they run the 24 hours of Le Mans. Okay. Exactly. I thought why you just said... I thought you said j- I thought you just like key smashed, but like vocally. So like, vocally oh. key smashing. <laughs> That's all French is vocal key smashing. <laughs> uh, I was just like, so you just made up an answer. I love that. Okay, That's cool. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. Yeah. Alex put Lamar. He just put Lamar. I just put Lamar. 
Um, but uh, Avery, let our listeners know where they can find you on the internet. Uh, I am mostly on uh, X or Twitter. Can't believe I just called it that, but it is that's what it's called. Um, at Avery Hage. Uh, I'm also on Blue Sky. Same username if you're on that. Instagram, same username. Same username pretty much everywhere. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. Yeah. Thanks so much, Avery. Like yes. always having, like you're a good friend of mine. I really appreciate you. Like you always listen, like you said earlier, you always listen to every episode. And yeah. I ask you for feedback too about the pod mm-hmm. all the time. So I really appreciate yeah. you. Number one fan. Um, so yeah. true. You guys are so welcome. I am super honored to be here. Awesome. Well, yeah. yep. We're going to take a break and then we're going to get into the tea and talk about some NASCAR silly seasons, some groundbreaking history being made um, on pit road for NASCAR. So we will be right back. Welcome back to the Gay Racing Podcast. It is time for the tea where we talk about the latest motorsports gossip news. Silly season for NASCAR heating up, of course. But we had some really cool stuff happen over um, over in... I can't even speak. I spit it out. I <laughs> this, to anyone. Alex you, mentioned it earlier. I've been moving. Like I just got like three different packages of furniture today that I've been having to assemble or like not assemble because I don't have all the parts. Crazy day for me. I just moved a package. I'm out of breath. So Alex, how about you take it away? I'm gonna sip some tea to get myself ready for the segment. How about that? It's a good idea, Zach. So first things first. Just some really cool news. So, 17-year-old Jade Avedesian, uh, first, it's the first woman to win a Touring Dirt Series championship in the Extreme Outlaw Series. So, if you don't know what the series is, it is a series owned by the World of Outlaws. It's a midget series that runs on dirt tracks. 17 years old. Wow. First woman to do That's this. That's crazy. Girl had an essay due that night, and she won the championship. Like, wow. And... She drives for Keith Boone's Motorsports, which if you watch like the Chili Bowl, you'll recognize that name. That team, they support a lot of big names in the past, and they have won that race before. So very cool. I just wanted to highlight that. That's our first sip of tea. Slay of the week to her. Like Slay. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, that is really cool. And something else that's fantastic, Zach. This was announced about an hour or two ago as of recording. So Kevin Harvick... For Homestead, his final race at Homestead, he will have Budweiser, his 2014 scheme, back on the car. Uh, the same this scheme so cool. that he won his only championship in. Um, yep. So, so cool. It looks amazing. It's fully authentic. I mean, it's obviously yes. it's a Ford Mustang instead of a Chevy SS, but otherwise everything's the exact same as it was. And it just looks so cool. Rodney Childers, listen, I need you to get to work. I want, I need Kevin Harvick to win this damn race. I'm not picking oh, him, but I need him to win this damn race, Rodney. Get your ass to work. That'd be so cool. Like if that were to happen, I, I don't see that, but like that'd be yeah. so special. He's already seen and, his last win, unfortunately. I don't think he's getting back to victory lane in these last three races. And with, I was very much hoping that they would do this yeah because bush and budweiser they are the same company so i was like it'd be very easy for them to do i didn't know if they would do it i'm so glad they are we had a feeling they phoenix but homestead homestead makes so much sense that's Mm -hmm. where they won the championship with it 
but I, I'm curious if they're going to do anything special for they Phoenix or not, will. or if it'll just be, or if it'll just be one of those games like what Gordon had, something like, you know, silver like a mosaic kind of thing. I think it'll yeah, probably silver. be silver. I'm guessing it's going to be silver and or mosaic, but the bush car is already kind of silver. Like the default bush car that they run a lot, it's already kind of silver. So. Or maybe we'll see a throwback to like the Jimmy John scheme that he used to win a lot in Fe- at Phoenix with. Maybe I don't know. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I am, I, I am glad Harvick's getting a lot of cool moments in his farewell season. Yeah. Like this, the, running the twenty nine, his first start or first win, excuse me, like that. Very cool. Like this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, something else. Something else that's pretty awesome. We knew about this, but it just finally got confirmed that Car- Carson Hosevar is going to be in Cup Series full time next year in the Spire seventy seven. Yeah, pretty cool. We've been new I, this. this has been kind of the worst kept secret lately. Uh, but something else about Carson Hosevar is that Holmes said this weekend he will not be in the forty two for Legacy. That's actually going to be John Hunter Nemechek making his debut for the team. Oh, uh, Jimmy makes Johnson. Sense. Jimmy Johnson announced that earlier today. I think that's an interesting move. He said that they came to an agreement with Chevy and Toyota, and they're going to let John Hunter ride for a spin a couple of races early, and then Carson will be yeah. in the last three races after that. The last two races after that, you mean? Last two. Yeah. Last two. That may, it's, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that they're not letting Nemechek in. Well, Nemechek might be fighting for the Xfinity Championship, so never mind. They don't want to, like, yeah, that makes sense. Well, that's a good and deal, then. The, yeah. Yeah, and on the flip side of that too, Hosevar, he's also going for the truck championship. Yeah. Oh, so maybe for so, both of them, well, this kind of helps both of them kind of focus more on what their respective series. Yeah, that's so. awesome. Okay, good, good then, deal then. Yeah. So last thing here, it was mentioned on Door Bumper Clear by Bob Pockris, I read, <laughs> that uh, Noah Gregson is apparently a candidate for the Stuart House Racing number 10 car. Well, yeah. I don't know... I you don't know how you feel about it. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know that I don't think this would be a good move. I think Eric Almarola, I'd rather have him. Honestly. <sighs> Noah Gregson like, as a race car driver is so weird to me because I think like he had an awful good. rookie season. We know that he has like yeah. he has it in him because he has won yeah. a lot of Xfinity races, but I don't know. I mean, to be fair though, I think the 10's not a bad ride for him because I think the expectations are kind of on the floor for that race team. Like, you can only go up from there. And, I mean, we talk about how Stuart Haas Racing has missed out on a lot of talented race car drivers. I'm not very personally big on Noah Gregson, and I don't know if I'm really big on him as a race car driver either, especially in the cup cars, but he's got a lot of potential behind him. We know that he's fast. We know that he can win races. So, you know, I think... It's not the worst. Who else are they going to get? Because that's the thing. Like, who else are they going to get? Well, hey, we didn't mention this. Riley Herbst won Las Vegas, dominating the last stage, wins by 15 seconds. It's confirmed that Riley Herbst is going back to Xfinity in the 98 car. In fact, they announced that literally the week before this race, which is so interesting. So it's like... Uh, Riley Herbst has been really impressing me lately with his few cup starts and what his composure at, you know, the plate tracks and then him finally showing up to win, you know, at Las Vegas, his first Xfinity win. I don't know. I mean, there's a certain, I, I don't know. I mean, Riley Herbst, certainly you could put him in a cup car, not that far away from being able to do that maybe in 2025. So, you know, right. Yeah. I, 
I don't know. There's a lot of moving parts. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens there with Swordhouse Racing. I feel like 10, Almarola said just like a week yeah. or two ago, he's, I still haven't decided. I think they're, it's like, oh my God. Let's let Eric retire. But at the same time, I think I'd rather have Eric than Greg. Yeah. Swordhouse Racing's are really. I don't know. It's like they don't have any drivers to put in their cars, but they also have a lot of drivers. Like, you look at Cole Custer. I feel like you can put Cole Custer back in that cup car soon, but it's so weird. It's just that team is just... Yeah. They have, again, we said it, They it's probably not helping that they are for a four-car organization. But yeah. we've also seen teams like Hendrick. You know, they were four cars in you know, 2018. They had a bit of a down year. They barely won races. You know, I mean, we could see we could see Stewardhouse Racing kind of come back on the rise. You never know. This sport's always fluctuating, and Ford's getting a new body next year, so we'll just we'll just have to see. Yeah. All right. Well, it's time for Gay Racing Podcast Fantasy, and the yeah. champion has been crowned. That being me, I clinched the championship with Kyle Larson's win. I just needed one more win. Zach, you would have needed to win two of the last four to even tie it yeah so it's jover i'm i'm sorry to it tell you jover. but it, it's over well you know what alex congratulations because you have had an amazing fantasy season you have been popping off yeah. wins like it's nothing you've won how many you've won three races in the playoffs you won a race right before the playoffs started you won two races with true a uh, true x and hamlin in the middle of the summer i mean you have gone on this tear that simply i just couldn't no. keep up with I mean, I did my best with picking a Blaney win at Talladega, which was really impressive, but I did. I couldn't. I just couldn't. So congratulations. Yeah. Like, thank you. Yeah. But you also had a lot of bad luck. Like, it's not like you had a bad seat. Just like IndyCar. Like, you like yeah, like Hamlin, Hamlin should have won the Southern 500. That's three points for me. Larson should have won Kansas, but he got spun or he got put in the wall by Hamlin. Like, it's just it's a bunch of stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it is what it is, but I'm going to still try to end the season on a good note. I'm ready to make my pick for Homestead, Miami. Let me type my pick out. So, Alex, right. are you ready? Trying to decide if I want to be strategic or not. I want to try hitting 40 points. All right. <laughs> I mathematically can still hit 40 All points. All right. All right, I'm ready. All right. Three, two, one. I'm pressing enter. We both pick Kyle Larson. First pick. No surprise. Duh. <laughs> um, the second pick. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to go ahead and go with this. So I have it all typed out. Okay, I'm ready. All right. Three, two, one. I'm pressing enter. I will be picking the 24 of William Byron for the second week in a row. And Alex will be picking the 45 of Tyler Reddick. Pick Reddick a lot. I like apparently I'm picking Byron a lot. Um, you have good history picking Reddick. I mean, he's gotten you. He got you that point at I the roll. He got you the win at Kansas. Um, Reddick just hasn't been fast here in the Cup car. I feel like I don't. I mean, he has two top no. fives, I guess actually. But man, I don't know. I just don't feel good about that race team right now. Yeah, I I feel like they have a shot. I, they weren't as fast as I expected at Vegas. But, um, yeah, I feel like they have a shot. Like, if something happens to Kyle Larson, I feel like Reddick's probably the next best, at least as a driver at Homestead. I don't know if the car is necessarily the second best, but yeah. 
we'll have to wait and Byron see. Byron at least and has he has a win at Homestead at least, but it's his only top five in the last like three races there, so it's a little bit of a risk. Yeah. I just think that twenty four team I don't know, they just win so much this year. Like I feel like it's a pretty safe bet for me to just pick them because they're they've been winning so much this year. Like, I don't know. Um Reddick's a good pick, obviously. Right. I'm curious to see what Bell's gonna do. I'm Truex and Hamlin statistically are really good here. So, I mean, it's going to be... That's the thing about Blaney. Blaney's going to have such a tough time because everyone he's racing right now is, like, really good at Homestead. Like, it's going to be so impossible for him. I I feel like Ryan is probably going to be, like, fifth. You know? Like, just seems to be where he usually is at. It's, like, fifth or fourth, maybe seventh or ish. Yeah, and that's just not enough. But it's just... I just don't think he's going to be able to get a win. Yeah. It's possible. I just, I don't know if I see it. But, like, now he's in a better points position. But still, you, I think you need to win to make it to the next round here. Yeah. But, yep. So, you're going to be trying to make the gap not as big here. Yeah. I have a nine. Is that nine? No, I have an 11-point lead. Yeah. That's the max points available are nine. So, yep. Here we go. Last few races of the season. And Zach, since you lost fantasy, you get the privilege of yeah. reading this week's Apple review. Yeah. So our latest Apple review is a must listen for race fans from Aiken. Hold on, Atkins, Atkins seven seventeen, also known as Amy. Um, Amy writes, quote, this podcast is such a fun listen each week, candid conversations between friends and sometimes accompanied by a special guest. I personally look forward to flop slash slay of the week segment and to see who wins their fantasy challenges. That's end quote. And that's, of course why we do it because we know people enjoy the friend the, the we put the gay racing in the gay racing podcast we are gays and we are racing we so yeah exactly so, yeah yeah thank you so much amy and i actually confirmed with amy who i thought this was to make was this you like was this because i recognized the username <laughs> on apple and, yeah uh, it was so thanks so much amy for that review i've met amy twice uh at tracks at indy and uh st louis that's awesome so. pretty yeah so thanks amy and we have another review for next week um we'll get to read that next week do we have but we would like we would like some more we would like to review have a new review every week um it's just fun it'd be nice if we if we could make it to the end of the nascar season with reviews that would be really nice so just like at least two reviews reviews. yeah five star reviews five star reviews so and it'd be written that way we can read it yeah um yeah, it helps us. We're only pushing it just because it helps us a bit. Um, it is yeah, fun, though. Like I do legit love fun. reading. I mean, it's your chance to be on the Gay Racing Podcast. Avery H. Yeah, says exactly. how much he loves being on the Gay Racing Podcast. So certainly, you know, write your review. You'll get a chance to shine. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with that, I think we're pretty much done here. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Avery Hage, once again, for joining us. You can follow him everywhere at Avery Hage. And you can follow us at Gay Racing Pod on... Gay Racing Pod is on Twitter, Instagram, threads. I think just those three. Uh, I'm basically everywhere at New Gaiden. Twitter, yep. threads. I'm Blue Sky. I'm on TikTok everywhere. And then Zach is at I'm Dreamy Zach GP on really just Twitter. I don't really use Instagram right now. Um, if you play Splatoon, follow me on, you know, Dreamy Zach. I got my YouTube going for Splatoon. So 
you know, shout out. He's but, very active there. So if you want to contact him, drop the GP. <laughs> God. To be fair, I am, I am, my racing fixation's kind of back right now. Like, I've been playing NASCAR Heat. That means my, na- mm-hmm. that means my racing fixation's back. But Like, like we played Mario Kart last oh night. Oh my God, look like, at us. I know. Yeah. Like, you've been, like, you're getting back into the racing yeah. here. So, yeah. always fun. Yep. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and sign off here. We will see you guys next week to talk about Homestead. Hopefully for me, there will be another Kyle Larson win that we can talk about. We will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye.